Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. Adventist Frontier Missions has several projects in Southeast Asia. This part of the world is as diverse in people as it is in landscape. This region has seen many wars, not only in this century, but in centuries past. AFM is actively working to reach unreached people groups in this area. One of the primary strongholds of Buddhism today, Southeast Asia is truly a mission frontier. The following story, narrated by Joseph Inara, tells of the indirect way you can minister to the people around you by living God's example. The story is called Living by God. Traveling on a bumpy bus for more than 10 hours is never pleasant, especially when it's hot and humid, and especially when the aisle has been crammed with stools for the extra passengers wanting to travel so early in the morning. The bus had a steward, and it was his job not to pass out peanuts and drinks, but rather to stand on the armrests and stumble his way to the back of the bus to arrange the stools and extra people so everyone could have a seat. It was rather a humorous exercise he performed every time the bus started again after having let passengers off for a rest stop or to buy food along the way. By late afternoon, I had arrived at my destination. I had come to finalize our rental agreement and to pay the rent for the building that we are planning to use in opening an English language school. This is going to be a center of influence in the middle of a large region of our country where there are no Adventists and where Christians are persecuted because of their faith. I spent several hours with the landlord discussing modifications to create office space, additional classrooms and living quarters. At the end of the afternoon I had the opportunity to share with him that because we believe in God, a God who cares for us and protects us, we are not overly worried about our belongings in the building when we were absent. This was in contrast to the landlord who himself or his wife would often sleep in the building to ensure nobody entered it while it was empty. The following day, I planned to see the landlord and his wife for maybe about an hour or so to sign the contract, pay the first rent installment, we were going to visit the village office to make the lease contract official, but the rest of the day I was planning to visit the city, the second largest in the country, and to begin scouring around for suppliers and contractors to do the work that I needed. Little did I know how different God's plans were for me that day. This started out when the, the landlord's family picked me up at my guest house to visit the village office. They informed me that the village chief wouldn't be in the office yet, so invited me to go with them for coffee. I had some breakfast in my room, but I couldn't say no. At the coffee shop, I realized that this was more than coffee and that I should be eating again. Wondering what I could eat, I quickly looked around the shop and I noticed that it was filled with what appeared to be government officials and office workers eating before the start of their day. I saw the bread being warmed up over charcoal grill, and I heard the landlord order a fried egg and coffee. The waiter then looked expectantly at me, waiting for my order. When I asked only for bread and an egg, the landlord's family asked me if I didn't want coffee. Soon our bread and eggs arrived, with a meat dish on the side for the bread. It didn't take long for them to ask me about the meat I wasn't eating and question about my other lifestyle habits involving drinking alcohol and smoking. We were soon on our way to the village office for the village chief's signature and stamp to make the lease contract official. Having lived in this village for their whole lives, everybody knew the landlord and the building he had for rent. In fact, just the previous week, he had organized a traditional ceremony at the completion of construction where more than 200 people were in attendance. 
So when we visited the village office, he introduced me to the village chief by saying something like this. This is the man who's renting my building. He's going to open an English school with foreign teachers. He doesn't eat meat, drink alcohol, or smoke. He's moving here in two weeks. This wasn't the end of it, though. From the village office, we went to the bank, and then to the notary office, and then the land title office, and then another office for more documents, and then the tax office to pay the rent tax, and finally, return to the village office. In every one of these places, we spent time talking with friends of the landlord, and every time, he introduced me the same way. What I had thought would take an hour or two had turned into an all-day event, with me accomplishing very little of what I wanted to do. But the real highlight of the day was when the landlord asked me if I was afraid of ghosts. I knew he was referring to the evil spirits that everyone is so scared of. He already knew I had refused to allow a spirit house to be placed on the premises of the property I was renting. I took this opportunity to share with him very briefly about the great controversy and explain that there are good angels and bad angels. I told him that everything bad in the world came about because one special angel had become proud and jealous and had been thrown out of heaven along with his followers. My day didn't go the way I planned, but I know that God had other plans for me. He planned for me to spend the entire day with the landlord's family and have the opportunity to be a positive witness for him. He planned for me to be introduced around town to many influential individuals in a way that they'll never forget. So I pray that as we move and as we set up a new school and as we meet many new people, that we will continue to have positive influences in the way God intends and that we'll be always willing to follow his leading, even when it goes contrary to our own plans. Living by God's example can be one of the most powerful ministry tools. With so many different cultures and customs, being a Christian can be considered an oddity because we don't fit into the certain social norms. But without adversity, a Christian can become passive until conflict presents itself. Listen into the next story as Joseph tells about how corruption will test his Christian character. You tell us how much you are willing to pay, said the tax officials as they stood up to end our meeting about the discussing of the payment of our outstanding profit taxes for the last six years. This was the end of the third meeting discussing our arrears taxes. It's not that we were trying to be arrears of not paying our taxes. It's just, this is the way it's been working out for several years. The tax officials, they come, they want us to pay taxes, but really, they want us to negotiate how much we are going to pay them. And we know that a good portion of the, the funds that we would pay them would just end up in their own pockets. So we asked for formal documentation. We want to pay the taxes according to the real law. You see, the English school where our teammates work as teachers and where I work as the deputy managing director recently ran into some challenges with government officials in the tax office. Every year, with the help of a local accounting service, we submit our financial statements, our bank statements, our rental contracts, our tax receipts, and many other documents summarizing our business operations for the year. Every year they issue our tax license, enabling us to renew our staff visas and work permits. Every year, that is, until this year. Occasionally they have provided us with an unofficial tax assessment and requested us to pay an exorbitant amount of taxes. Once we have asked for the actual tax calculations or explanations about the tax we should pay and we provide the documents supporting our income and expenses and the financial statements, they stop requesting payment. They stop returning our calls informing them that the additional documents they've requested are available for them to examine. 
It's not that we're unwilling to pay our profit taxes, but we are unwilling to pay money to the tax officials and only receive a portion of it on an official tax receipt. We know that the funds we would be paying would not be going to benefit the country we work in. It's becoming a pattern that we recognize. However, this year, the pattern changed. They realize they've not finalized any assessments for our school for more than six years. They want to change that. They suggested we should work together as a family to resolve the problem, both for them and for us. This was new. They suggested we pay just a small amount, you know, about $6,000 for each year of our outstanding taxes, and they'd ignore a couple of years because of our cooperation. They assumed that we knew the actual amount of taxes that we should pay for each year amounted to more than $40,000 each year. So, of course, who wouldn't be willing to accept such a tantalizing offer? However, they informed us we'd only receive official tax receipt for half of our payment. Their want for selfish gain became obvious. We try to operate our school honestly and truthfully according to the Bible in every aspect as much as we can. We will not pay a bribe to officials simply to reduce the amount of taxes that we must pay. The truth of the matter is, according to our understanding of the tax laws, our actual taxes should be much lower than their suggested amount. They've simply provided unsupported figures in their assessments to threaten or convince us to accept their low friendly offer. They refuse to follow the correct assessment procedure, which makes it difficult because they are the ones with the ultimate control. I reminded them of previous discussions on the same topic. I explained to them the principles our school follows, but it didn't seem to make any difference or have any impression on them. In fact, they insisted that I take their offer back and discuss it with those above me. They reiterated that if we didn't accept their offer, they'd have to come and examine all our documents, and we'd have to pay all the tax according to their examination and that it would be much higher. I left their office feeling discouraged. I wondered how our school could continue operating in an environment of such corruption and cheating. It was overwhelming. I prayed about it and asked God for guidance and encouragement. I then remembered all the ways that God had been providing and blessing our work and our school. Enrollment has been continuing to increase. Every year we have the teachers we need to offer our classes, and several of our students are being interested in spiritual things and are studying the Bible. I realized that even in this difficult situation, I had the opportunity to witness to these officials. I didn't get to study the Bible with them, but they did get to understand my conviction of operating an honest business, despite their desire for personal gain. Only eternity will know how my influence may have had an impact on these individuals or those they shared my comments with. We do not yet know the outcome of this situation, but we do know that God is in charge. He will not let the school he has been blessing to come to nothing.
The Anaras need not only your prayers, but also your financial support to continue their work in Southeast Asia. If you would like to support the missionaries, or one of the projects that Adventist Frontier Missions sponsors, hop online and point your browser to afmonline.org give and select a project, missionary, or the general fund. That's afmonline.org give. You may also call 1-800-937-4236. That's 1-800-937-4236. Thank you, and God bless.